This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I know for the last several weeks, I'd start the show talking about this Rolling Rock beer that I got from the boss. It's not my favorite beer. I don't like Pilsners that much, and I've been choking the thing down for however long it's been, and uh, last week, the boss brought more, and I couldn't be polite anymore, and I had to tell him, look, I don't like the Rolling Rock. I like Summit Extra Pale Ale. And he says, okay, I'll go get you some Summit. And he did that. So I know I've been talking about that at the beginning of each show, so I promise you I won't mention Rolling Rock or Summit or Pilsners or meh beers or anything like that. I'm not going to talk about that at all on the show uh, this week. I'm not bringing it up. I promise you I will not say anything at all about Rolling Rock and and that other beer stuff and 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 whatnot. So, okay, I promise you, um, this space has been intentionally left blank. All right, um, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to cut someone uh, a little bit of slack, just a just a sliver, just a teeniest tiniest bit of slack, uh, just a little teeny tiny bit. And who is it? It's, uh, well, Sean Spicer. He is the White House press secretary, and he got in a little trouble this uh, past week when he he brought up uh, Hitler and uh, chemical weapons when talking about uh, President, the Syrian President el-Assad and the Russians at at a press conference. And he he said that uh, as bad as Hitler was, and Hitler was really bad, as despicable as he was, even he didn't stoop to using chemical weapons. And reporters there, at least one, tried to, I think, give uh, Mr. uh, Spicer a chance to clarify that. Uh, Because, well, if you know history a little bit, you probably know that Hitler and the and the Nazis and the SS troops and you know those running the concentration camps, at least some of them had used Zyklon B, which is a chemical weapon, and used it to uh, exterminate, uh, in part, 
the five to six million Jews, and then the several, you know, there were other uh, people also killed in the concentration camps. And th he then said, well, well, he didn't, uh, um, he didn't use them on his own people. I know you're bringing up the Holocaust thing. And then, of course, <laughs> well, his own people. Well, Germany had Jews living there <laughs> that were sent to, to the concentration camps, and were, many of them were gassed. Uh, and, and you could, uh, taking the, the thinking of, the, of Hitler at least, uh, that you could consider Austria part of Germany, and that those, the Jews in Austria that were rounded up and put into the concentration camps, uh, and, and those that were uh, brought into those showers, and the Zyklon B was used on them, you could say that they were his own people too. And so, so Spicer had to kind of had to say, well, I meant, you know, he didn't do it in the way that um, Assad did it on his own people, with you know, dropping a, a bomb on a, on a populated area, that kind of thing. And um, I would hope, <laughs> if if I were reported there, that I would be trying to give uh, uh, Spicer a chance to say, well, I should say that. Hitler didn't use chemical weapons against the Allies in warfare. He did not do that. Because then that would be, well, I'll get to it in, in a bit, but that would be pretty much true. Uh, I did find some information that eh, might contradict that a little bit. But he, no, he still held on to the idea that he meant dropping it. Um, but I, I did say I was going to cut him just a sliver, just a tiniest, tiniest sliver of, uh, of slack on this because he was, after all, trying to say that Assad is a bad man and that the Russians ought to rethink their association with him and his government. That's what he was trying to say. And uh, the it was it was just the uh, second Thursday of the month, so that means I got together with the Minnesota skeptics, and uh, we talked about this. There was a discussion that went around this, and I made that point. And uh, there was you know, a couple people that kind of said, yeah, you know, yeah, and there was a couple that were a little reluctant. Was, well, he's he's trying to say this guy is a bad man. Russia, what are you doing getting in bed with him? Is, you know, essentially. And it, 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 but some very good points were made. Um, I brought up. I said, you know, suppose this happened during the Obama administration. That this kind of this this faux pas, this gaffe happened then. I said, I got to think that a little more slack would have been cut to the press secretary, whoever that was. But then the variables aren't quite the same. Uh, if, if, whether you like the Obama administration or not, the last those eight years, uh, they pretty much had a fairly consistent and cohesive foreign policy. Oh, maybe there were some little bits here and there, but overall, uh, the press secretary didn't have to guess what his boss was going to be thinking that day and talking about that day and and what side of the issue he was going to come down that day. This our current president seems to kind of jump around 
And as a press secretary for him, uh, it's got to be a, a very demanding job. Um, and the Trump administration hasn't exactly done the best uh, uh, on the diplomacy side in its first, what, three months? It hasn't been three months yet or something. Holy crap. Oh, man. January 20, February 20. Oh, four. Uh, yeah, three months. Uh, January, uh, February 20, March. Yeah, yeah, three months. And not even. <laughs> and it's not even the first hundred days yet. Although it's getting close. And he's golfed how many times? <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that. But it, it, it's... Uh, so you got to feel for him just a little bit. Spicer, I mean. That his boss is Donald Trump. Okay, you got it. Just a little, cut him just a little slack. Uh, he did apologize, Spicer. Uh, he did come out fairly sincerely, and I think that most people, most reasonable people, said, "Well, okay, yeah, okay." Uh, there were those that were calling for his job. He should resign or should be fired. And you know, you know, it. it what he what he said, I, 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 I can see how it could be taken as a slight by uh, uh, by Jewish folks. Uh, for the you know survivors of the Holocaust and family members of survivors of the Holocaust, I can see how uh, and even, and even not survivors of the Holocaust, you know the family members of the, who had lost others uh, because of it. There's a lot of people that were killed, and there are deniers of the whole thing. I won't get into that, but they're out there. I I can see that. I can understand it, but I you know not being Jewish and not you know having that connection. Um, I, 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 I suppose they feel it a little more viscerally than I do. So, you know, there's probably that little factor there. I should be cognizant of that. Uh, but a point was also made by one of the Minnesota skeptics that, you know, the, the guy uh, is supposed to be good at this. I mean, he's, he's the chief communications officer, essentially, for the White House. He's, he's talking to the press and making you know making sure the press understands things so that the press can make sure the american public understands things and he's he does something like that i mean he was kind of shooting from the hip at that point and just was tripping and fumbling his way through uh, you, you ought to be better at it than that uh i mean i don't know how good i'd be at it how decent a job i'd do but uh uh i just i i, I give him just a little just a little bit of slack. Um, and another thing that was brought up that, uh, you know, you, you, you just don't bring up Hitler. <laughs> you, do, you, just, you just don't bring up Hitler. Uh, you, you say, um, even in World War II, you know, after World War I, the nations of the world signed on to the Geneva Protocols that you know agreed that they uh, essentially wouldn't use chemical weapons I I in war. That they wouldn't do it. Uh, there's a little more to that, and I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so you could you could have said that you know the world had agreed not to use them, and this guy uses them. You know that after the the horrors of of. Uh, the chemical warfare that was visited on the soldiers of uh, World War One, you would think, you know, 
that the other nations figured out that maybe we we shouldn't do this. Well, you know, Syria doesn't even their president figures, nah, eh, I can do it. Um, and then you know the Trump administration uh, they retaliate by sending some Tomahawk missiles, like fifty of them. Uh, which apparently didn't really do any damage, and then I was learning that you know it was the the Russians were warned that we were going to do it, and were able the Russians were able to kind of get out of the way, and you know I don't think that it was intended to do uh, uh, the damage you know to take out the airfields. I think it was just intended to show the Russians that we would take some action, maybe to kind of push. In, not necessarily in World War III direction, but maybe some somehow this could be used diplomatically. Look, we told you we were going to do it. We're going. I don't know. It's a very complicated mess, um, and hopefully, uh, I guess Trump has done a little house cleaning. Uh, some of the some of the people are, are no longer in the administration, especially the uh, the world's second most evil man in the history of the pa of the planet, uh, that Bannon fellow from Breitbart. Uh, the most evil man in the history of, of, of the planet is of course Dick Cheney. Uh, well, he's tied with Christopher Columbus. Oh, geez, I'm being a little <laughs> I'm being a little dick, ain't I? Uh, kind of, you know, because it's it's my little conservative side of me that coming out because everybody was how evil Christopher Columbus was. He, he, look, he just... He... he Whatever. Well, let's not get sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and then, and then there's the mother of all bombs was dropped in Afghanistan. You know, this is all false flag stuff to get us to stop looking at... Uh, uh, I don't know what. <laughs> the, the golf trips for Trump. I don't know. Okay. Um... So, yeah, don't bring up Hitler. That's not a good idea uh, and all that. But I did, in looking this up, I found out some stuff that I didn't know. I found some information uh, that I got off of uh, factcheck.org. And I'm gonna, I'll read this to you. Uh, let's see. Um, with some commentary. How's that? Uh, so it starts off saying, So why didn't Germany ever use those chemical weapons it had stockpiled? Apparently, in World War II, uh, Germans, uh, Germany, the, the government, uh, the military, had quite a lot of uh, chemical weapons. They had, they had quite a lot. Sarin gas and the stuff called Tabun. I'm, I, is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. They had a lot of this stuff stockpiled. Uh, so this factcheck.org is saying, well, why didn't they use it? Well... What we've learned is, uh, I'll, I'll continue with what they, what they write. Uh, in his book of Spies and Stratagems, Stanley P. Lovell, the head of the U.S. Office of Strategic Services during the war, says historians would be wise to dismiss the notion that nerve gas munitions were not used in World War II for humanitarian reasons. So you couldn't be saying, so like, that's, that's partly where uh, Spicer's wrong. And so when you said, you know, as despicable as Hitler was, he didn't sink to using chemical weapons. Oh, he might have, if not for, and I'll continue with the article from factcheck.org. At the war trials uh, at Nuremberg, Nazi leader Hermann Goering was asked why the Germans did not use gas blau, that's German, for chemical weapons, uh, to stop the Normandy invasion. Lovell paraphrases Goering's, uh, or Goering's uh, explanation that it was because they could not create suitable gas masks for horses. 
which were cru uh, critical for transporting supplies. Uh, this is this little section that I'm going to read you here. This is from Stanley Lovell's book, and I guess uh, this is a paraphrasing of the questions that were asked Hermann Goering, uh, Field Marshal Hermann Goering. Uh, let's see. Question. We know you had gas blau, a name used for nerve gas, which would have stopped the Normandy invasion. Why didn't you use it? Um, answer. The horses. Question. What have horses to do with it? Answer. Everything. Horses lie down in the shafts or between the thills. A thill is that, uh, is, are those uh, metal poles or shafts that, uh, that the horses are hooked up to, and those shafts go to the cart or to uh, a carriage. You know, that's the, they, I think they, like, they go alongside either side of them, and the horses are kind of tied in in there. They're connected in there. That's what a thill is. I looked that up. I thought, oh, I've never heard of a thill. Uh, as soon as, let's see, the um, horse lies down in the shafts or between the thills as soon as his breathing is restricted. We never have had a gas mask a horse would tolerate. Question. What has this to do with Normandy? Answer. We did not have enough gasoline to adequately supply the German Air Force and the Panzer Divisions, so we used horse transport in all operations. You must have known that the first thing we did in Poland, France, everywhere was to seize the horses. All our material was horse-drawn. Had we used gas, you would have retaliated and you would have instantly immobilized us. Question. Was it that serious, Marshal? Answer. I tell you, you, have, you would have won the war years ago if you had used gas, not on our soldiers, but on our transportation system. Your intelligence men are asses. And that last little bit there, from what I know of, uh, of uh, Hermann Goering, that really fits into his personality. He was, uh, he was a bit arrogant, a bit full of himself. When the trials were taking place, he was going to get up, you know, he was supposed to, you know, all the members that were being tried at the Nuremberg trials were supposed, they were being asked what their plea was. And they were just supposed to get up and say guilty or not guilty. And Goering got up and he was going to, he had, he had pages set up. He was going to make a statement and he was getting ready. And they said, oh, we just want to know guilty or not guilty. And then he just said, not guilty. And just haughtily walked back and sat down. All right. <clears throat> I will continue. Some historians say Hitler's reluctance to employ chemical weapons may have been tied to his exposure to mustard gas during World War I, which temporarily blinded him. Others suggest the use of chemical weapons was deemed inefficient and risked exposing soldiers to friendly fire instances. So, you know, change of wind could send the chemical right back at the, at, you know, the, if the Germans used it, the wind could change, send it right back at them. Uh, let's see, uh, factcheck.org uh, uh, fact continues by saying, Finally, some believe Hitler was concerned about the retaliatory use of chemical weapons by Allied troops. Signers of the Geneva Protocol agreed, now this is interesting, they didn't quite agree not to use chemical weapons. Here's, here's what they agreed to. They agreed not to be the first to use chemical weapons in war. Uh, but they reserved the right to use them if the enemy did first. So if the Americans would have sent over some uh, chemical weapons, 
you know, some gas over to the over to the Germans. Then the Germans would say, "Okay, we can retaliate." So the so the idea was, uh, we're not going to do it first. So there was that was the agreement with the Geneva Protocols. I thought they had agreed that to not use them at all. Now that may have changed since then. Uh, let's see. A fascinating account from the Daily Mail. Now the Daily Mail is a little tabloidy, so you got to take this a little grain of saltish, but it's interesting. Uh, a fascinating account from the Daily Mail details the claim that a German scientist exaggerated the Allies' capability of hitting back with their own chemical weapons, which, I need to turn the page, caused the Fuhrer to rethink his plans. The article cites the work of Frank Dinan, a professor emeritus of chemistry at Canisius, Canius, I'm not sure if I said that right, a college who said the German scientist told Hitler that Tabun and Sarin appeared in patents and were publicized internationally, which was not true. Um, there was a general lack of awareness of these agents in the UK and in the US during the war. So the US didn't actually, you know, the Allies didn't really have these stockpiles. So we had this scientist. Uh, uh, it says uh, in here, nonetheless, the scientist response gave Hitler enough pause to abandon calls for the use of Germany's chemical weapons on the battlefield. One further point. While Hitler may not have dropped chemical bombs, some believe the Germans did use poison gas against enemy soldiers in World War II. In her book, Ivan's War, Kathleen Merridale writes that Nazis used poison gas to kill some 3,000 Soviet troops and civilians holed up in caves after the Battle of the Kerch Peninsula in 1942. Uh, so it, it, it's, I don't think that's been conclusively shown that it did happen, but he might have, or the Germans may have, used chemical weapons in World War II. So some interesting stuff there. Um, that and 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 I read elsewhere, not in this, but I read elsewhere that uh, Hitler was considering using the chemical weapons as the Red Army was uh, marching into Berlin at the end of the war. But uh, his staff convinced him not to. I'm not sure what arguments they use. My guess is they would say, "Hey, you know, there are German people living, you know, there. We don't want to be giving them to." And, you know, and maybe they were thinking, you know, we use chemical weapons right now. It's going to be that last gasp, and we're going to look, you know, it's, it, they're still, the Russians are still going to beat us, and, you know, we're going to be in deep doo-doo uh, should, um, uh, should we do something that despicable. I will be in deep doo-doo if I don't take a break. I won't be, but... I'm just saying that. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return after this break. We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. <laughs> Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? 
What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the happy birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. We're the station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. have the best bumpers. Oh, they're so good. That was Vanishing Girl by the Dukes of Stratosphere, otherwise known as XTC. XTC is my second favorite band of all time, second to The Who, uh, and uh, they did two albums as this uh, pseudo-60s psychedelic tribute kind of band. Um I don't know, if, and, and and so they adopted these, the, you know, the, the persona of the Dukes of Stratosphere, and they did a mini LP in I think 1985 called 25 O'Clock, and then in 1987 or so, uh, they did uh, Sonic Sunspot um, with the with a P in front of the S and, uh, of both of those words, Sonic Sunspot. Um, just great stuff you know it's yes they borrow from they play, they pay homage to the birds and cream and the beatles and the beach boys and uh, it's just it's just brilliant it's just wonderful stuff it's uh um it's just it's really great so you should check out dukes of stratosphere they're awesome and okay uh where was i what was i going to talk about now oh speaking of hitler snl Saturday Night Live, and Louis C.K. have uh, apparently lifted an idea for a sketch from uh, uh, comedian Tignataro. Uh, Tignataro is, uh, she is a, um, um, I, I don't know, she's not as uh, famous as Louis C.K., but she's a very funny comedian. She has a dry delivery. Um, she has this kind of, uh, almost a somberness to her, but she can she crack up a little bit here and there. Uh, but she has, you know, an, kind of an ironic sense of humor and just a dark kind of sense of humor and, and all that. So, um, well, I guess just recently, Louis C.K. was the host for... Uh, Saturday Night Live, and they did a, a skit on there where 
um, Louis plays a guy who's uh, you know having a birthday party, giving himself a birthday party. <laughs> who would do that? <laughs> no, some people would. I think I know one person who did. Uh, anyway, um, he's giving himself a birthday party, and he hires a clown, well, you know, those birthday party kids party kind of thing, clown entertainers, to come over and entertain at the party. The only thing is, he's the only one at the party. So, you know, the clown comes and it's like finds out that uh, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just for me. I thought this would be different, you know. A try so go ahead do your thing and it's a it's it's a skit that lasts about three and a half minutes and I thought it was amusing and uh, it has a really good final you know punchline to it which I won't let you know I mean it, it works for me because I have a it's kind of dark and uh, but it, it works for me I thought it was funny I laughed a couple few times through it I thought it was clever and it was good uh, but it turns out and I'll link to this. Uh, uh, I, I check out this website called What Would Tyler Durden Do? Uh, Tyler Durden is the name of the character in Fight Club. And it's, uh, it's my one concession to the, the Hollywood gossip type sites where they're very snarky toward the Hollywood s scene. And they brought this up. Uh, Tignataro put out a message about, you know, she's not sure how this happened, but she's essentially disappointed that a film that she had done, now I'm not sure how long ago, um, not that long ago, was essentially the same thing. It's longer by about 10 minutes. <laughs> it's the, the film is, you know, so it can be considered a short film. It could be, I'm sure it could be entered into, you know, film festivals for short films and, and maybe even nominated for an Oscar if it's, you know, theatrically released and because it's not a three-minute sketch on Saturday Night Live. And it has all the elements that the Louis C.K. Saturday Night Live one does, except uh, it has a little more at the beginning. And I, if, if, from my way of thinking, uh, Tig kind of steps on the joke before she even starts it. Uh, she's and maybe that was her point. She didn't, you know. It, it, I, I'm not sure. Maybe she wasn't quite going after the same kind of thing that Saturday Night Live was going after with her sketch. But it starts out with her sitting in her darkened living room. Uh, she's depressed. She's just gotten over or just got through a, a, a relationship breakup, so she's dealing with that. And she's sitting there. She and she goes to grab a glass of wine or something, knocks it over, and it falls on the table. And for some reason, there's an open phone book on the table and it's open to a page that has a listing uh, column for you know party clowns that you can hire so she she looks oh, so she calls it up and this was kind of amusing when she talks to a young woman answers the phone and says the same thing very cheery and you know, it's just like funny business is our business and that's not funny business or something like that and and she says yeah i'd like to uh uh, hire a clown, okay, and and uh, uh, will it be for a children's party or if, you know whatever? It, somehow she, this, the, the gal on the phone, elicits this information from Tig that takes us. No, it's it's just for me. I'm kind of depressed. I just got over. I just got out of a relationship, and and uh, you know I was hoping that maybe this you know a clown could cheer me up. Oh well, we don't 
uh, actually book for just a one-person event thing. You know, that's kind of that kind of thing. You know, so she just kind of says goodbye, and um, the film tells us it's. I think it's like two days later. Uh, Tig calls back and says, "Yeah, I like you know." It goes through the whole preamble thing about you know we're, we're clown business or whatever. Whatever she says, uh, and then then Tig says. I'd like to hire a clown for a party. I'm having a birthday party, and I'd like to hire a clown. And so she gets past it that way. So she gets this clown, and we also get sort of the backstory on the clown. And he's having trouble with his car, or whatever's happening. He's on the phone with somebody, and some attractive woman walks by him, and he's standing there in his clown outfit with the big red nose thing on. He says, hey, you got fries with that shake? And she turns around and looks at him, and she says, yeah, I do. And he has no comeback for her, and he feels like a fool. And then she says, nice nose. Whatever. And then he gets to the house, and he finds out that he's just performing for one person, and and things take place. And there's a chuckle or two in there, but I don't know. <laughs> I watched it. And, okay, now, it certainly did appear to be the same idea to me. It's just that you know Saturday Night Live made it uh, shorter and in my opinion and comedy is subjective art is subjective uh, Saturday Night Live's version with Louis C.K. was funnier I laughed at that I chuckled at a couple of things in this one and maybe if I had seen Tig's film before seeing the Louis C.K. one maybe I would have thought that was funnier then but it just seemed you know it was for one thing Louis C.K. didn't step on the joke. We didn't know that he was hiring a clown for himself until the clown finds out at the same time as as we do. We find out when he finds out. It's, it just starts out like, you know, clown's showing up at the house for a party. Louis opens the door. In the background, you can see the, the happy birthday uh, display, you know, hanging across the, the wall. And, and, you know, so... It, so we don't know, and he brings him in, and, and then when Louis says, no, it's just for me, that's when we all find out. That's funnier, at least to me. Tig told everybody that I'm doing this for my, just for me, there's not going to be... So that joke wasn't even there. So the clown's reaction when, she find, when he finds out that he's performing for one just doesn't work as well, at least not as a joke. It just, not for me anyway. Um... And again, had I seen her film before seeing the Louis C.K. thing, I, I wonder if I would have found it funnier. But And, uh, oh yeah, I mentioned that, uh, speaking of Hitler, <laughs> well, uh, on Tyler Durden's site, you can comment on their stories. And I decided to post a comment. I actually, mine was actually the first comment on the post. And because I went and I watched the Saturday Night Live sketch, and then I watched uh, Tig's short film, and uh, I wrote pretty much simply wrote uh, just this simple sentence. Well, uh, Saturday Night Live's version was funnier. And that's all I wrote. And the very first response to the first comment, my comment, the first comment on the thread was, let's see, I wrote it down. Funnier than what? The Holocaust? SNL blows. Right there. You've heard of Godwin's Law? 
it it didn't take more than two com- one comment and one response. That was it. That's all it took before somebody makes an appeal to Hitler or Nazis. And the Holocaust, I could, I would argue, is a is under the umbrella of uh, of the Godwin's Law uh, and and bringing in Hitler. Um, Godwin's Law is uh, is. Uh, on the internet, if there's a discussion going on in a comment thread or something like that, the longer the thread gets, the more uh, likely someone is going to make a comparison to Hitler. It becomes almost absolute that it's going to happen. At some point, somebody's going to say, Yeah, well, Hitler did blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, the Nazis are... Except they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would actually say something instead of just doing the blah blah thing that I just did. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Mine was. First, it was funnier, and funnier than what the Holocaust. <laughs> and I didn't have to defend myself. Not that I was going to, because somebody posted a response to them. The following. Funnier than the extremely long, drawn out. Tig skit that she and others are accusing SNL of ripping off. Which I thought, well, thank you. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But then the person ended it by, by calling the person a tard. Oh, you, did, you know, we're kind of backing away from the R word, the retarded thing, and tard, and, you know, we're kind of trying to back away from that. It's not very, eh, you know. And I, I can agree with not using the term myself, and I didn't particularly care for them using it, but I was glad that they at least said what... Well, duh, you dumbass. Dumbass, I think it's fine. You can say dumbass all you want. Uh, you know, in Penn and Teller's bullshit, they couldn't call people frauds or liars or anything like that because then they're opening themselves up to lawsuits. For So what they could do was call the people assholes. <laughs> that was fine. You could call them assholes, and uh, Penn has, has said that uh, he's he's taken um, uh, "bitch" out of his out of his uh, uh, um, insulting terminologies, if that's the word, because it's it's gender specific kind of, and um, he, he said asshole covers everybody, you know, men, women, whatever, you know, it's just. Any way they identify as their gender, you know, straight, gay, young, old, everybody can be an asshole. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, uh, Godwin's, I'm t- I, that's amazing. That's amazing. But really, I will link to the Tyler Durden thing. They'll have, you can get to both of the, uh, both of the sketches from there. Uh, let me know if you think, w- which one you think is funnier. Uh you know, maybe you think the Tig one is funnier. I maybe maybe I'm just kind of not. Uh, uh, maybe I needed to see that one first before seeing the Louis C.K. one. But C.K. one. But I think that uh, uh, the the Saturday Night Live one was funnier. It was more on point. And when you do watch it and you get to that punchline in the Louis C.K. Saturday Night Live one, you'll just know what kind of a dark sense of humor I do have. <laughs> now I'm going to head to my next break. Got to it already. Uh, it's uh, Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return once this break is done.
Good luck keeping up with us. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Hey y'all, this is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh**. Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Your assignment is to listen to the buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. station is not your cup of tea. Then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. All right, I should do a little skepticism. I do that once in a while. You know, it says it in the thing, the sounder for my show that you hear, that there will be skepticism. Uh, I'll do pop culture rants, and I'll do, which I did with the, uh, uh, it wasn't exactly a rant, but, you know, the SNL skit and skit and the uh, TIG thing. And, uh, you know, uh commentary on social stuff and which is the the uh, spicer thing so I should probably do some skepticism um, the internet has all kinds out there which I mean it has me <laughs> uh, and it, it's people will believe lots of crazy things on the on the strangest and weakest, flimsiest evidence that you can possibly think of. Okay, now it is possible this guy is a Poe and is just putting everybody on. But 
There's a fellow out there on the internet named Jonathan Whitcomb, and uh, he calls himself a modern Terrasar expert. Really? Um, he's he's not a he's not a paleontologist. <laughs> uh, he's not a you know not a geologist. He's not. I, I don't think he's a scientist of any kind, but he calls himself a modern Terrasar expert. And by, he's not, the expert isn't the modern part, it's the Terrasar that's modern, because he believes that, apparently he believes, that there are flying lizards still in existence in the world today. Because there's a picture from uh, alleged to be from the American Civil War, showing, I think, let's see, well, I got the picture right here. I don't have to think at all. I can just look at the damn thing. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six soldiers posing uh, next to a uh, uh, a dead, I guess it's a pterodactyl, but a pterosaur, I think, is sort of like the umbrella phrase, and pterodactyl is more... Right there, and I think Pterodon is another one. But, um, you know, they're posing around this thing as though they had killed it. At least that's my assumption, that they had killed it. Okay, and at the top of this particular page in, on his website, uh, there's a heading that says, Official Announcement of a Joint Declaration. <laughs> We're going to announce that there was a joint declaration. Okay. Now, this joint declaration is as follows, or the official announcement of the joint de declaration. So the announcement, the official announcement, is as follows. On Saturday, June four, or, sorry, January 14, 2017, the missile defense physicist Clifford Pava, we all know that person, don't we? <laughs> the, oh, yes, Clifford P Pava, he's a household name. He's that missile defense physicist. Anyway, the missile defense physicist Clifford Pava and I, John Whitcomb, not me, your host, John Whitcomb, communicated by phone and mutually agreed the image herein labeled Pterodon photograph contains a genuine image of a modern pterosaur, regardless of the specific species or type of pterosaur that it may have been. This photo is not to be confused with the hoax image said to have been created by an American film and television production company named Haxon, probably a Freaky Links episode for Fox TV in 2001. The Haxon photograph is indeed a hoax, probably influenced in its fabrication by the earlier photo that is now declared authentic. Okay. First of all, uh, Mr. Whitcomb is a modern pterosaur expert, but he's not sure what specific species or type of pterosaur is in the photograph. I would think an expert would know, wouldn't you? <laughs> One of the Minnesota skeptics, when I posted this on the Minnesota skeptics uh, page on Facebook, one of them posted in there says, That's a pterodactyl! <laughs> So you guys calling it a pterodactyl? I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a modern 
Terrasar expert or a prehistoric Terrasar expert. I, I, I know they're cool, and it'd be kind of neat if they did exist today. So let's. I know this is a, a an auditory medium, an owl medium, but uh, I'm going to describe this as best I can. And then, of course, on the show notes, I'll have links to this guy's page. I'll have the image up so you can take a look at it for yourself, and and to see if my analysis of it is is sound or not. Um, I do have some background in training in the visual arts. I went to art school. Uh, I've done I've, I've learned some stuff on how to work in Photoshop and I you know I've, I've I have experience of looking at things and deciphering them visually to create them by drawing to, I, I've copied lots of things you know looked at references and thought okay I got to draw this and I got to figure out what this is going on here because you know I don't know what this thing looks like so I got to look for an image of it so I can draw it I'm not necessarily copy the image exactly but it's okay there's there's you know whatever I got to draw and I got to draw it this way and I got to you know that I, I have some training there. I have some experience there. I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm an expert. I'm certainly not an expert of uh, photographic expert, you know, in photography. I'm not. But I've seen lots of Photoshop work. I've done Photoshop work, and I can kind of see some things here that make me think, eh, about this picture. Now, the picture that he's saying is the obvious hoax. There's one thing different about that photograph for sure uh whatever it is that is laying there on the ground that uh, these uh seven soldiers or uh, six soldiers and an officer are standing around and they're virtually posed in the same way as these other guys the officers standing at the front of the of the dead uh flying lizard flying reptile i shouldn't say lizard that's not right uh reptile and he's he's stepping on it and in the authentic, declared authentic by a <laughs> missile defense physicist and a modern Terrasar expert, uh, he, the, the guy standing in front of the dead thing is has a foot up on it as well. So there's, you know, in, there's an influence going on there. But the thing is, in the, the one that the expert is saying is a hoax, the, the object is at least an object in the picture that is three-dimensional. To my eye, this in the authentic picture, whatever these guys are standing around looks like a cardboard cutout. It reminds me of the cotton leaf fairies. Uh, the cotton leaf fairies were, um, oh, it was at uh, early in the uh, 20th century, uh, a couple of young uh, women, uh, cousins I think they were, uh, teenagers um, or younger, they took pictures of themselves observing fairies frolicking. And it, it, you know, it fooled Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I look at those pictures, and I don't know how anybody could look at them and think, those things are flat, the girls are not. It's, it's, it, it, they look phony. They look placed in there. Like, you know, and, and later, the girls... Uh, one of them, as an old woman, said how she did it and what they did, and yet you know, they took some, they, they redrew some drawings out of the children's books at the time and put wings on them and put them in sticks and you know to cut them out on paper and then posed with them. 
And that's what they did. And this, it, it reminds me of that. It kind of looks like that. But then if you look at the soldiers in the authentic photo, they don't look right. I mean, the, the hoax picture, if you will, looks like a more of a modern photograph. Just There's just elements in there that look more like modern photography, sepia-toned. The other one, ah, it, there's, there seems to be some, some, I don't know, some enhancement done on the on the soldiers where their faces look almost photoshopped a little and their hands and a couple of them look photoshopped the soldiers themselves in the authentic picture uh they don't i mean they might not necessarily be civil war era they could be later than civil war you know the civil war i mean union soldiers dressed in pretty much the same uniform after the civil war so maybe they are uh, but the thing is, these guys look a little... There's a couple of them that look just a little too well-fed. Not heavy, not fat, not anything like that, but they look just like they've had uh, 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 meals. Whereas in during the Civil War, both, soldiers on both sides... You know, I looked through bunches of pictures of, from the Civil War, and they were thin. There weren't... I didn't see too many heavy guys. Officers might... There might have been one or two, like uh, uh, Ambrose Burnside was a little bigger guy. But for the most part, these people were thin. And these guys... And their beards, their facial hair doesn't look real to me. There's one guy with his cap off and his hairstyle looks a little too modern to me. I, it's just... Maybe I'm reading things into it. It just seems strange. And both images... The, the declared authentic one and the hoax one are in sepia tone. Sepia tone was a thing during the American Civil War. It was a thing. But um, when I was looking through the Civil War pictures, the vast majority of them are just straight black and white. And there's, a, there's more of a crispness to those photographs than, than, in, than in this authentic one and the other one. They look like the... the, 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 the hoax one by the expert saying it's a hoax looks like it's blurred on purpose maybe a little uh the other one i don't know the clothes of the soldiers don't seem to fit quite as well um or or the same way as the as the uniforms fit in the you know actual pictures from civil war era it just there's just something and I just, I look, you know, I, I'm no expert of it. I think this photograph is in a museum somewhere. Uh, Lauren Coleman, he's a guy that was, I'm not sure if he's still alive. He might be. Um, that was a cryptozoologist type guy that was, you know, hunting Bigfoot and all this kind of stuff. And, and he has this in a, uh, in a museum. And I just, I don't know. The image doesn't look right to me. It looks a little hanky. Uh, plus you add the fact that, well, you know, where are they? <laughs> And maybe they all died out since then, since the Civil War. And this was shared initially on, on, the, on the Facebook by a guy that seems determined to prove that evolution isn't a fact. And somehow this does that. No, it doesn't. Even if these animals still existed, it wouldn't mean that evolution isn't a fact, that evolution doesn't happen. It wouldn't mean that at all. It would just mean that the scientists, the paleontologists, thought these guys were extinct, you know, 65 million years ago, or however many millions of years ago that these that this particular, uh, you know, um, reptile went extinct. So, yeah, I, I think the guy's a little nutty, uh, <laughs> but he's an expert of modern pterosaurs.
I do have a movie recommendation. I'm going to do this quick. It's from 1964. I think it's kind of timely for the stuff that's kind of happening now. It's not going to make you feel comfortable. <laughs> it's not going to help you. Uh, it's a movie called Failsafe. It's from 1964. It's directed by Sidney Lumet, a really good director. Um, it stars, uh, let's see, Henry Fonda, Walter Matthau, Fritz Weaver, Edward Binns, Larry Hagman, and Dom DeLuise. And Dom DeLuise is not a, in a comic role in here. He's, uh, and it, this is definitely not a comedy. Uh, the story is, it's uh, the height of the Cold War, and uh, the United States has a, has a strategic uh, uh, air bombers in flight 24 hours a day in case they need to go into action, in case the Soviets pull some shit. And a false alarm happens, and these 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 uh, these these air groups, these squadrons, all start to head to where they're supposed to go to, and uh, to maybe do some bombing and drop nuclear bombs on targets in Russia. Uh, it's quickly discovered that it's a false alarm, and most everybody's called back, but this one group that is headed to Moscow. And the president of the United States has to find a way to, you know, well, our government has to find a way to get these guys to turn back or shoot them down or whatever, because, you know, first the Russians, or the Soviets are jamming the radio communications to these guys, and then once the communications are freed, the guys aren't necessarily believing that the that this raid is a is a is a is a mistake. And so, what happens? How does the president uh, deal with it? What does he do if the guys, in fact, get to their target and drop the bombs? What does he do then? How does he prevent prevent all-out nuclear war? It's really, it's really good. Uh, it's, it's, you're not. It's. <laughs> I don't want to give much away. You're not. It's. You're going to feel nervous about it because, like I said, what's going on today, uh, you might, uh, maybe you don't want to watch this. But if you do, you could watch it on YouTube for, I think, something like three bucks. You could do that. You could stream it on that. Um, anyway, uh, it's Failsafe, 1964. There was a version made uh, for TV in, in, in 2000. I don't know. If, I don't think it was as good. It had uh, Richard Dreyfus playing the president, and I'm not... I don't know. I don't see him as president. I don't know why. I just don't. Uh, maybe Good night, oh. doctor. Good night, ah, Made it to the end. Well, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Uh, remember, be skeptical. Don't just believe somebody because he says he's a modern Terrasar expert. Look for the evidence. What does the evidence say? Uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. A lousy picture of what looks like a bunch of guys standing around a cardboard cutout isn't doesn't cut it. Yeah, and uh, we're on Z Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Oh, hope I got that in. Whew. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D R D I M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.